Thank you for listening to this podcast from TheUnheardNerd.com. If you like what you hear, please consider liking, sharing, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast feed of choice, and help us to keep creating and improving our content. Thank you. TheUnheardNerd.com This is Word to the Nerd, the interview podcast from TheUnheardNerd.com. My name is Will, and we are back with a long overdue show. It's been a while, but this time around I have a very special guest. It is Przowski, and we're going to be talking about his new album, which is called Enmityville, and the influences went into that from rock to hip-hop to goth and a little bit of typo negative too. Enjoy the show. Listen up, yeah, it's a word to the nerd Coming through the speakers from the one you never heard A brand new show you don't want to miss Because you never heard a nerd with a style like this Nerdcore, hip-hop, A-bit, pop rock It's our culture on the rise and it won't stop Podcast drop, best day of the week Cause the unheard nerd is about to speak The unheard nerd is about to speak The unheard nerd is about to speak Joining me on the show uh, this time around is Brzezowski How you doing sir? I'm doing very well, man. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. It's taken us a little while to uh, to actually get behind the mics and actually start talking. We've been trying to line this up for for a week or so. Um, it's, yeah, it's 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 a production, and you know, my computer is basically like a hamster with two rocks that I bang together <laughs> to make it happen. So it's uh, it's not always the easiest process. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I, I did sweat it a little bit when you sent me your cell phone number, and I was like, crap, this is going to cost me a fortune in international <laughs> calling. <laughs> Sorry about that. We, no, we, we figured out the technology, man. We're cool. We've got the Skype on the on the on the go, so it's all good. Yeah, well, thanks for joining me. Uh, we've got a new new release out. It's called N. Oh, fuck it up already. I knew I would. N- oh, fuck. Tell me what it's called. <laughs> it's called Enmityville. Enmityville. I cannot get it into my head. <laughs> it's all right. It's a weird one. Enmityville. Okay, so uh, I mean, the word enmity um, kind of in, uh, invokes uh, an image of confrontation. And it's got a sort of a defiant meaning to it. Is is that what you what you had in mind when you were creating the record? Is that the message you're trying to put across? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for this album, I, I liked the idea of you know Enmityville as like a place. It's like a place where the uh, ill will happens. You know, uh, bad vibe town. You know, but Enmityville sounds so much cooler than like bad vibe town. <laughs> so I'm, I think uh, you made the right choice. There, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I'd like to think so. Um, so yeah, so I, I like the idea of having like a locale where these you know these like thoughts and ideas and poems all sort of like play out, and so it gives it like a almost a false sense of place by tying it in, saying, okay, this is happening in the, in the arena of sorts. Mm-hmm. And so you focus on a lot of topics throughout the record. Um, you, you focus on like, a false image of beauty, on uh, commercialism and, and corporate um, corporations, and, and there's a sort of an underlying theme of you know the way modern life is at the moment, and, and a lot of the well, it could be conceived as the bad elements that make up our day to day lives. Yeah, um, I mean, there are a broad, a broad range of subjects, but is there like one recurring theme that, that sort of comes out in every song? I mean, to a degree, yeah. I mean, I feel like the you know the unifying theme is that is that it's it's a, it's critical. You know, it's a critique of 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 where we are. You know, at no point am I like, uh, do I relent and say, yeah, but that's cool because I'm at the pub with my buddies. No, at no point do I give a pressure release. Um, and I real that was that was you know very much by design. Uh, I wanted it to be a challenging and, and critical piece of work. 
And uh, and that way I don't have to be that kind of person in my everyday life. I could just be a normal person and I can put it all in its proper artistic place and not be an insufferable bastard when you hang out with me. <laughs> well, I, I did, yeah, before we started recording, I did explain. You know, I, I, I haven't been listening to your music for an awfully long time, maybe over the last year or so. Um, I mean, you're somebody whose name comes up quite often. Um, you may, may or may not be aware of that. Um, I certainly know that um, yeah, I, I met up with Uncommon NASA in London when he was over here uh, not too long ago, and, and your name propped up in, in, in conversation there. Um, so you are someone who's sort of I'm, I'm aware of, but hadn't really delved into the music. So this latest release really was um, was kind of my first full exposure to the Brzezowski, you know thing. So uh, is it for anyone that's just new to your music, like like I am, is it indicative of releases previously yeah absolutely um absolutely i mean i i've never made a happy song uh i've never made a party song um i've never i've never made a love song with a good ending Uh, (laughs) um i you know i have a very kind of specific you know conceit uh to when i when i put together music and and i think that if you like you know I've, i've heard a lot of a lot of folks uh say to me in the past few months since the uh, the record came out uh, in September that they they'd heard my name but they hadn't they hadn't heard the music yet and I think this is a perfect entry point um, you know and, and from here if, if people's interest are peaked then they can start um, sort of combing back um, and I feel like you can see you know I mean it, I feel like every artist worth their salt every new thing is the best thing they've ever done or that's what they should strive for and I feel like that's what I've achieved here, you know, so I, I've been building up to this point and hopefully the next thing will be, you know, one uh, further building block on top of this. You know, that's that's uh, I, I, that's definitely my goal is to always sort of top yourself, do it a little bit grander or a little bit darker or a little bit uh, a little bit more pointed um, than the thing you know before you. You know, the idea of the sequel is like, all right, well, let's get bigger and darker. Where do we go from here? Yeah. I, I, I had obviously heard a, a couple of tracks or seen you know, your video uh, before um, you sent me the album. And then listening to the album, I, I mean, before I even started listening to it, I was expecting, you know, I knew you were quite aggressive in your style. Like, and then I listened to the, to, the, to the record and it wasn't really what I was expecting, I'll be honest. It, I mean, it, it, it is a rap album in the, in the way that you rap on it. You're an MC, yeah. obviously. But uh, I mean, your your uh, aesthetic, your your you know, the way you look, and then the music suggests that there's a metal and rock background. Would I be right in saying that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can't you can't escape. I can't escape that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know if you read my review of the album, but I did. Um, the, the, there's this just this phrase that stuck in my mind, and it was like even before I had finished writing, and yeah, we were emailing back and forth, and I was saying, I'm about 75% done with the review now, and I had these cornerstones in my mind of what, what the album meant to me, and it was sort of summed up in one sentence that kept prop- cropping up in my mind, and it was, you know, the aggression of metal, it, it was the poetry of hip-hop, uh, it was, you know, there's sort of industrial or sort of in goth, you know, undertones in there, especially uh, on, on you know, one track in particular, which I'll come back to. And and then you've got some really catchy sort of pop sensibility in there. I don't know, maybe that's a mistake. Maybe you you're not going to thank me for saying that. But no, no. I mean, there there is a there. I, I I feel like you know, Will, that you really kind of are are extracting all of the things out of it that I put into it. Um, that I can only hope 
you know, conscientious listeners will be able to kind of pull these things out because there's definitely, you know, uh, an aesthetics that is related to, to, to metal and to punk, that sort of urgency and that sort of menace. I've always enjoyed that part of the, the aesthetic and the delivery of that kind of music, even if, you know, punk rock doesn't hold any luster or interest to me anymore beyond the graphic design. You know, I love a stark black and white contrasty image. I always will, you know. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, I absolutely have a bit of a, of a pop sensibility. I, I do like a strong hook. Um, that won't stop me from doing, you know, songs that don't have hooks or songs that are uh, non-traditional uh, in, in structure. But hell, I mean, everyone loves that big chorus and that comes back around. I mean, I feel like that's one of the things that gets us into music as kids, right? It's usually like the hook that, that brings us back. And so I try to pride myself on writing a decent hook. I'm of the opinion that a lot of rappers can't write a good hook to save their lives. So, so I put a little, so I put a, try to put a, a lot of uh, oomph and elbow grease on, onto onto that as well. And if and if the, the the pop hook softens the blow of some of the other harsh pieces, that that doesn't bother me at all. Well, it, yeah, my standout track from the album is "Demonic Exercises," and uh, uh, and it, I mean that that does have pop sensibilities to it. It's, it. But it's a very different track to pretty much every other track on the album. Mm. Um, in that it's it's a lot bigger and the, the drums are, are more splashy, they're louder. They're, there's more you know, crash, there's more hi hat, um, yeah. And it, and it and you've got sort of a jazz intro as well, and it, it just throws you completely off. You have got that jazz intro, then it comes in, and it's got the driving bass line, and and yeah, there, there are like real pop sensibilities to it. Demon run, demon walk, and crawl too. Take your pick which locomotion compels you Demon run, demon swim and dig through Take your pick which locomotion compels you I'm an outlaw drawn and quartered on vellum with architectural pencils Counseling wayfarers on composition Mainstay of hard living, lack of long term on a poison planet TVs, ghastly courtesans inside this tavern I've been ostracized and set apart for my condemnation of the sainted Had geography will be a living document when survivors meet your heroes He had an attitude problem a mile wide, was thirsty for attention And he took death to get it but not on the well-worn installment plan Veins of murky fat deposits and a tripe full of bread crust Trust fall off the shortest plank and swim at the hungriest bottom feeders If that came off the leaders, at least it came off And lodged a splinter in a cochlear implant I wanted that hurt and understood even if the feedback signal proof scan We got your hamster wheel right here This is an endurance test, we got a handful of feels Demon run, demon walk, and crawl too Take your pick which locomotion compels you Demon run, demon swim and dig through Take your pick which locomotion compels you Demon run, demon walk and crawl too Take your pick which locomotion compels you Demon run, demon swim and dig through Take your pick which locomotion compels you You've got other tracks here where you can definitely hear the sort of a, a, like a 90s rock element to it And then, like, so I walk through me, like, for a complete loop I mean that yeah. track is just just insane, and I love it. I love it. I keep coming back to it, but it's like it reminded me of Typo Negative. Yeah, and that and that, and that was completely intentional. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I feel like when I first started like releasing solo material around, you know, gosh, I, I the the first like uh, CDR I ever put out was uh, well, the second one I ever put out was under my own name, Brzezowski, was called New England Gothic. And basically, you know, people asked me, like, what I was thinking at the time. And I was like, well, I kind of want to make the rap version of Typo Negative. Because, <laughs> um, uh, like, Bloody Kisses and October Rust were, like, it still are probably two of my favorite records of all time. 
And I've always sort of, I've always uh, enjoyed, you know, the theatricality of, of Peter Steele and Josh Silver, but also like, you know, what happens if we drape like a third layer of keyboards on this? Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I think that that's cool. And I'm glad that you kind of, you took that nod out of it uh, through some of like the weird throaty singing. And I always like to have one or two songs that are that, that are that more, um, less aggressive delivery more of a, of a laid back almost uh like the vh1 storyteller version of brzezowski you know um <laughs> and i feel like that's the one on this record that's the one where i can like pull up a stool and like you know sit down and sing it into the mic uh, as opposed to like you know stomping back and forth gesturing wildly and tipping my hat or whatever but i mean yeah i mean it's totally different in the fact that i mean correct me if i'm wrong but as, a, as far as i recall there's no rapping on that track it, it if there is a small a small amount you're actually singing more and yeah yeah it's it's two i believe it's a two two 12 bar verses uh in a very spoken word delivery and uh yeah and a song hook yeah and is it because you come from a background of, of singing in say rock bands or have you always been about your rapping and, and being an mc or a combination um well, you know, I, I I was in punk bands, you know, in the '90s, and and I was in uh, metal projects in the in, in the late '90s and early 2000s. But I've been rapping since about 1999, when I was about 19. So I actually came a little bit late to the game. Um, and I was, you know, I, I've always was interested in in um, kind of fusing the two. Like, when, you know, I, I feel like my earlier output in the early 2000s, the mid 2000s, like nobody sung choruses, and that was very very unique. Um, and now I feel like that's almost like uh, almost a foregone conclusion that you have some sung hooks on your record, which I think is a good thing. I think that's a, a good improvement. Um, but yeah, I just I can't I, I can't get away from it. I mean, I started off singing and playing guitar in bands, and um, and I, I I've always I've always loved that. And to kind of to completely put that away would be disin, disingenuous. And I feel like that's kind of part of what I have to contribute to, you know, hip hop is that is that that you know jean jacket aesthetic that um unironically stems from something totally different you know from that metal punk song screamed world well i'm i'm, I'm glad that the uh, the typo negative um, <laughs> reference wasn't way off because yeah, no that, that rung true <laughs> yeah i did that i did have a moment of hesitation um when i, I was typing first, i think you're the first to nail that <laughs> well, i'm pleased yeah. i'm pleased um, and uh, I mean, what I did get wrong though, first time I listened through, I, I, I thought this this album's all in the same key, and that bugged me. And then I went back and I started dissecting it track by track, and I was wrong. I was wrong. That, that it's not in the same key, and yet you seem to be able to. I don't know your vocal delivery sort of maintains the same strength and the same same dynamic in in all these different keys. Now I don't know whether again that's that's something you're aware of or something you know, as a, a musician myself it, I, I was I'm listening for these things and and you know and I I was a bit disappointed that I went back and thought actually it's not all in you know I, <laughs> the fact that I thought it was all in the same key I don't know what was going on there I don't know I don't know how to explain it properly but no um, that is interesting that's a that's a very interesting kind of takeaway um yeah, I mean, I, you know, working with, you know, when you work with one or two of the same producers on a whole project, you know, this was primarily 80 Hertz doing a lot of the production, C Money Burns uh, doing the, the post-production in a few tracks, and then me doing a few tracks, 
you know, one certain producers they have that pocket that they like. Some some producers like like 80 Hertz loves you know G and G minor and stuff like that. Um, so it's it's important to to uh, even though you, you the, the beats may sound different, yeah, you have to take that extra step of musicality and. Like I have no interest in making a whole record in like C major. That would just be so freaking weird, man. I, 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 I it sounds like a mind control exercise. <laughs> I think that's a future concept album. Uh, All right, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It was, I, yeah, weird, weird. Anyway, well, I mean, we'll move on from that. It's not that's not important. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back, and I'm gonna talk to see Bunny Burns about that and see maybe where that that feeling came from we you know we tried to be very consistent in the mixing and you know to make all the tracks sound the same even though they were produced by different people we we it took us about eight weeks of mixing um so it was not um your typical hip-hop like okay slam it all through a compressor and call it done we we really did spit shine every sound so every song was sonically similar you know when you're looking at the i know realize this is the unheard nerd podcast so i'm allowed to say stuff like you know we sat there and like compared wave files of hi-hats <laughs> on the song like we really got that deep in the in the weeds well, i think that's important yeah you, know, you hear so many albums that just sound like mixtapes and, um, and uh, and then you it's a real fine balance isn't it because you, you can refine it so much you can, you can play with it so much that then it all ends up sounding samey and this is the thing that bugged me, I think. This is what, you know, it doesn't sound samey. There are so many sort of diverse styles coming into it and, you know, influences, as we've discussed, you know, the metal, the goth, the, you know, the pop sensibilities as well with the hip-hop um, beats and, and vocals. Uh, that It doesn't sound the same all the way through. And yet, you know, vocally, it's, it, it sort of does follow a path. Uh, and it works really well. Yeah, I'm not disappointed with it, and and I wouldn't have been disappointed if I'd gone back and discovered it was all in the same key. Yeah. But uh, it was. Uh, it's just one thing that really stuck with me, and then to find out that I was completely wrong about it, it was just like confusing. So this this album has got me thinking more deeply than pretty much any other album this year. <laughs> I take that as a high compliment. That's I, that's I, the intent. I think so. Yeah, and I don't think you'll. Um, I don't think you'll you know, be offended if I say it's not um, the most accessible album for a wider audience. No, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, and for some, that that might be off-putting. You know, they might hear the odd track and 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 you know not not give it a fair go. But I yeah. think it's worth doing that. I think it's worth listening all the way through because it, the, again, there is that diversity and there is that you know, that different sound to each track, and and there's a lot to take from it. Um, so uh, yeah, very impressed with that. Well, I was going to say that you know, there's no, there's no. Um, we didn't go into it as a, as like you know, uh, singles for the record. You know that those things were kind of picked later. What were going to be the video treatment track? You know, we wanted it to be the. I say we. I, I mean, see Money Burns and I, because he, he and I work closely together. It was about like a thing that would function like an album. You know, I, I enjoy album culture myself and. I feel like, you know, again, like on, on this on this podcast, because of the nature of a lot of, you know, your listeners and your readers, you know, a, a lot of things that would be considered, you know, part of like nerd, nerdy culture or, you know, you know, um, uh, whether it be countercultural or whether it be like intellectual, like a lot of these things are, are difficult to appreciate. You know, the first time you hear a certain, you know, whether it be a typo negative song or you read a certain author, it's not like, oh, you like this. You know, you actually have to actively uh, engage it on its own terms. And then decide if you like it. And I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the challenge, and I, I like the idea of making something that's going to engage with people beyond a, a catchy song about like weed or whatever. 
explain a little bit there. You, you work closely with uh, C Money Burns. Uh, explain a little bit about the, the creative process. I, are you are you hooking up in the studio or are you working independently? Has it has a dynamic? Well, uh, C Money uh, also lives in Portland, and we've we've had a long running relationship. I did uh, I, I worked with him on a solo record he put out probably about five or six years ago now called Friends with Money. And uh, and from there, you know, we, we developed a really good relationship working on a, a, a ton of my stuff. We have a collaborative uh, metal project together called Vinyl Cape, um, which we released a record last year, uh, in a seven inch and toured a bit on that. Um, yeah. So we try to link up like once a week and we'll, we'll contact each other by phone or email, you know, maybe once a week as well. And just kind of get status reports, you know, what each other's up to, what the checklists are for, you know, his or my given project at a time. Because um, we are a bit of a cottage industry, we do a lot of the the functions of a of a publicist, a label, a booking agent, as well as being artists. And you know, and and C Money does the mixing and mastering. So, um, if I think I made a song, I'll bring it to him, and he'll be he'll like uh, he'll take out the sandblaster and and pull the pull the finer details out of the the slab of marble. Um, I'm definitely more of a um, rough cut kind of guy, and then he's the guy that can really. Um, bring out the beauty in something that I've made, and, and he's an incredible producer in his own right. I mean, he's one of the most brilliant like musician musicians that I've ever met. There, I feel like there's so few people uh, in the confines of hip hop or electronic music that really have a fine understanding of music itself, music theory, you know, jazz chords <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and uh, and he's the first person to say, I'll be like, hey man, did you hear the new so and so song? And he'd be like, why would I listen to that man? The snare drums tuned an eighth of a beat flat or whatever, you know what I mean? In a, a eighth of a note flat, and I'm like, wow, how the hell did you hear that? Uh, <laughs> so he's got he's got an amazing ear, and uh, and so it's like that, and you know, and and beyond that, beyond having you know similar interests in putting up with each other because we're both crazy control freaks, um, we just have similar aesthetics, you know, like you know we. We wear a lot of black. We like metal, but we also like you know big drums and hip hop and um, yeah, it's, it's it's you know I can't can't speak highly enough to see money. You know, he's one of my best friends as well as being you know just one of the most talented people I've ever met. Interacting with him was extremely uncomfortable. Obviously, he spent so long alone. He didn't want to make eye contact. He had. Uh, very odd way of speaking, but it was sort of beautiful. As a writer and journalist, he sort of had his own version of the English language, very poetic. The bottle is warm and I'm never surprised by the lack of compassion, the volume of lies, misanthropic life choice, sour dividends, vinegar works, overaged wines, and Swiss drakes, emotional sweetening, the bounty of ire, another needful things, objection to desire, pleading for wings, will only carry carcass so far, arch nemeses of the plagues of empty days, pockets enriched by a yawning void, bartered, a vampire's I don't aspire to be martyred. I'm begging for change with no intention to bust. Oh, stories fade in glory, keep me warm till morning. Almost gone in time, won't tell. Warm sentiments I'll see. People might dream of escaping to reality.
So, so how does a song come to be? And does it usually start with you, you know, maybe playing a guitar and then coming up with some lyrics, or does it come? He, he says, yeah, "I've got a beat for you," and, and you listen to it. it. It happens in all different ways. I mean, my favorite way for a song to come together is when I sit down, uh, either by myself or ideally with somebody like C Money, and we're just we're like sitting there in the lab with you know we got you know guitars, basses, keyboards, and we just pick something up and start finding a sound and, and playing with something, and then it. Build it organically right there. That's my favorite way to make a, a piece of production. Um, so that that that's that happens on occasion. Uh, other times, C uh, Money will will send me something uh, as sort of a short snippet, like a one minute or forty second, you know, idea, and then I'll be like, uh, nope, that's too jazzy or that's too happy, <laughs> um, or uh, or I'll be like, oh, that's great. Can we loop this part out? Can we loop that part out? And let's get some tube and throat singers samples on there. You know what I mean? So we'll 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 build it, we'll build it organically and bat it back and forth. Um, so I mean, oftentimes, oftentimes when I, uh, it's never a finished piece that I then graph lyrics onto. We always move things around, and um, and we, and when I work with any producer, it's very important for me that I have their trust to uh, allow me to do that. Like I, I w- I'll ask for all the stems up front because I want to be able to move it around and rearrange it. Uh, 80 Hertz is really good with that. I have a few tracks I'm working on, uh, a few great beats from uh, Uncommon NASA, actually. And I think it was probably, even though NASA and I are, are, are good friends and we go way back, I think it was a big trust thing because he's a producer, you know, he's not only a rapper, he's a producer. And I'm like, hey, man, you're going to have to trust me if I want to, like, really fuck this up. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have people around me that'll be like, okay, man, I'm going to give you the construction kit and what you build out of these Legos is all you. <laughs> Uh, and I dig that, and I, I uh, I'm honored to have that trust. And is it um, a fast process with you, or are you somebody who takes? I mean, you say you're a control freak. Does it take I'm an, time? I'm an absolute control freak. I mean, this album took me um, two years to write and record, um, and there were not that many songs, solo songs, that were made that didn't make the album. Like there wasn't a stack of leftovers. Um, so everything, almost everything I make has a home. I usually know. Um, where the verse is going to go on someone else's album, if it's going to be for my album, if it's going to be for a compilation, or it's going to be a single. I know it's home before I even pick up the pen or pick up the guitar or pick up the keyboard. Um, and so um, I'm not one of those people that just gets in there and just like shits songs and shits ideas. Everything usually builds very slowly. I keep running lists of lyrics and ideas like in my phone and in notebooks. And, and they slowly aggregate. You know, it's like a snowball going down the hill. It gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And all of a sudden, oh, shit, it's moving. Um, and, that's when it, and that's when it becomes the, becomes the song, for sure. So it, it moves really, really slow. Um, I went down to New York about two years ago to work with NASA on a project. And we did uh, three songs start to finish in a day and a half. And I don't think I've ever moved that fast in my life. Um, it was just the idea of, like, that, that gravity of making stuff happen quickly. But if, if left to my own devices, like... I need to like drink coffee and stare at the wall, have a couple cigarettes, maybe read a book. And now maybe I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm totally bougie in my process. I, it's interesting. I've, obviously, I've spoken to a, a number of different producers or rappers uh, along you know, the years. And um, it's, it's always interesting that, you know, that you've got guys that, that write really, really quickly. Like they just it's, That's how it works for them. They get it out. It, it, and it and it and it's good yeah it's good you know they work better fast and then the other people that take it really slow like there's one guy i know he's like it's the glacial fucking writing you know it takes him months to to put together a verse and and 
yeah it's interesting to hear how how long different people take um does that change depending on who you're working with do you get some producers who are just like right this needs to be faster we need to go faster we need to go faster and, and yeah. how do you deal with that well i mean you know it, it really depends if it's for my record i dictate the pace um if if it's for if it's for someone else's album like if if a producer approaches me and they would like a song uh or a verse what their deadline is is what their deadline is and i always meet that um i am never that guy that asks for like an extra month or two weeks or whatever you know if you need it by december 10th you have it you probably have it at 11:59 p.m. on the 9th <laughs> but you have it by the 10th um and that's just that's just the way that i work i mean I, i'm I'm also, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, when I travel and I do uh, and I tour and stuff like that. And sometimes people will be like, hey, um, I'd like to get you in the studio, but I want you to record on my setup and we'd have to do it while I'm here. And, uh, and if that's the case, then I can usually write something, record it and get it done right there. And I, I don't trip out about it. Um, so there's all different kinds of processes. But when it comes to me making my like solo material or vinyl cape material, it's like super overwrought process. It takes me time. And uh, and I can't I just can't force it. There's no there's I've tried to force it. And when I force it, it's just a turd. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so I've just kind of learned my process at this time. But, you know, when it comes to other people, I can move really quickly because I want to um, regardless of the personality I put forth, maybe on record, like I, I, I am a bit of a people pleaser. You know, I like to make my peers and friends and my professional acquaintances happy by by delivering what I say I'm going to deliver in a timely fashion. And I think that's I can only hope that's appreciated not only the quality but also sort of the professionalism and the turnaround time i think that's important yeah you are a different character to talk to than you know comes across in your music i wasn't sure what to expect but uh, yeah 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 you're, you're very personable <laughs> yeah lucky for you right yeah, absolutely uh, i feel like i feel like that's um that, that that's by design also you know Good, good. Um, now you are uh, obviously repping um, Maine, Portland. Maine, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, not super familiar with the with the area, but uh, <laughs> you, you the sent... entertainment capital of the world. <laughs> but uh, you, you sent me some. Uh, yeah, you, you sent me some kind, kind words when we wrote a little bit about Spose. And yeah, um, and I got the opportunity to see him not uh, not so long ago, a few weeks ago. Oh, great! And, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was over here um, in in London. Um, first show, I think, yeah, jet lagged, very jet lagged. I think on that show, it literally landed. I think the day before, or not even the day, I'm not sure. And um, and played that night, and um, yeah. but still, you know, blew the roof off. Really, really good performance. Um, so, what's the what's the scene like? I mean, it seems like it's not like you say it's not a, like an, an exactly buzzing place. But I may be wrong. I don't know anything about right. it. Well, you know, what's it, it is it is really interesting. I mean, we do have a very vibrant uh, local music scene. Uh, we have one of the longest running uh, weekly uh, hip hop events uh, in, in the country uh, in uh, Rap Night Portland. So that's a weekly that happens every week in town. And so there's featured performers as well as uh, freestyle open mic ciphers. And that's been going on since like 2000 or 99, um, which is awesome. Um, so that kind of keeps a little bit of a gravity going. And then in terms of, you know, in hip hop, you know, I, I'll throw a few shows a year. Uh, I have other friends that do, you know, a one off events here and there. Um, there's also the uh, a Monday night at a small bar, a small pub uh, called Monday the Mines that all is uh, expressly about uh, community inclusivity. And like they won't book people with like sexist bullshit lyrics. And, and I really respect what they're doing. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of hip hop to be had. 
Um, although, you know, for, for artists from here that actually like tour and, and get around the country or get out of the country, there's uh, Spoz and there's me and there's uh, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of people that are uh, that are starting to starting to tour, starting to do their thing. And, and uh, I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. I mean, it's a great place to, you know, being a small city with a supportive scene, it allows you to like experiment with styles in real time to write a song that week and then try it out on stage at the open mic at the end of the week. I mean, I think these are all really, really important things for especially people that are just finding their voice or just coming up. Um, and in addition to that, um, you know, we have a ton of uh, touring stuff uh, that comes through. Indie rock is really big here. Uh, metal is really big here. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot to like. We do have, you know, we're a city of about 66,000 people. We're about an hour and 45 minutes north of Boston. Um, you know, so as the U.S. music markets go, uh, Portland is market number 57. <laughs> but, uh, but two hours south in Boston, that's market seven. Wow, that's a good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're really close by, but we're just, but we're a tertiary market, so it lets us. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff that comes out of here, um, not all genres, but it's a fertile place for weird friggin' music. Because <laughs> no one's here to bother you to tell you to like lose weight, get more industry, anything like that. You know, people are like, yeah, let's get weird with it. Fuck it, we're gonna throw the show on a back of a box truck. That's good. That's great. Uh, I mean, I think you find you do get corners of, of you know, artistic, like pools, pools of artists that, that band together, and you do get a good scene. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it could, uh, sometimes you could, you, know, you say, take London or take New York. There's a sa- oversaturation. Like everybody wants to be in a band. Everybody wants to you know, be doing right. something artistic, creative, and and it kind of dilutes the the pool somewhat, and, and it's harder to find really good. Yeah, good talent and good good shows and, and everything. So I think yeah. there's a lot to be said for for a scene, you know, where everybody is a, is a bit close knit. And um, you know, it's kind of my upbringing. I come from I don't I'm not from London. I come from from Kent, um, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a smaller smaller town setup. And so you, you almost become a local celebrity because you're in a band. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I mean, I feel like local celebrity can hurt smaller scenes because people then get comfortable. They're like, "Well, shit, I sold out the 200 person room in my hometown," and then they they get uh, comfortable with that level of fame. And if that's what you want, if you want to be like locally famous for your band or whatever, that's that's great and that's a fine goal. But if you want more than that, you know, you do have to reach beyond that. Um, but yeah, in, the, in those bigger cities. Um, you also find that people in a given scene, whether it be rock or folk or, you know, uh, hip hop or whatever, they are less likely to support each other because everybody's fighting in the in against the tide to try to get noticed. But in a smaller city, it's like, oh, cool. This is your show this week and my show is in two weeks and her shows in two weeks after that. And we'll all be at all of them, Yeah, <laughs> um, which is a very, very different vibe than you get. Um and that's one of the reasons that I really liked it up here. I'm not from Portland. I'm originally um, from outside Providence, Rhode Island. And I moved up here because the art and the music scene uh, was so strong. And it was like this, yeah, it was like a fertile place to to grow uh, with a supportive community that was not necessarily a big city. But also, I mean, Montreal is six hours away. Boston's two hours away. New Haven, Connecticut's like four. Providence is three. New York is six. Everything's a half a day's drive, which is it makes touring awesome, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, those kind of time scales for yeah, half a day away—that's like, that's insane for me. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, three hours is is like, uh, 
Yeah, well, I mean, our country is just so yeah. goddamn big. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. uh, for me to drive to for a show in New York, six hours, that's not that bad. I mean, that's I, I, I that that drive uh, to me is uh, is a lot better than say like St. Louis to Nashville, which is like five and a half hours. That if, of nothing that makes me want to bash my head against the steering wheel. <laughs> But um, I mean, you've gone, you've gone further abroad. You've, you've uh, further afield. You've, you, you've gone, you've, you've toured abroad. You've, you've you know, your, uh, your bi- biography on the, the Mill Pavement website uh, says that you, you've been to France and Switzerland. I mean, that's not, not too long ago. What, what was that like? How did that all come about? Oh my goodness. Well, um, my relationship with with uh, with the European continent started with a, a vinyl compilation that came out. In 2005, uh, off a German label called Subversive Records, and I was on a compilation with a lot of folks that were, uh, at the time, a bit bigger than me in the indie rap scene. And so, by association, people, I think, just assumed that I was as big as they were. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then I started getting, you know, doing a lot of mail order to Europe in terms of, you know, T-shirts and CDs and stuff. And then... Um, and then uh, Mill Pavement Records, we started putting out records by people from like uh, from Germany and from France. And and by the time I first made it over with uh, DJ Moshe, who's also from Portland in 2009, like people already knew who we were. People like knew the choruses to our new record. I was like, holy shit. Um, we don't really we don't get that too much at home, you know. Um so that was, yeah, that was really cool. The first time we went over was 2009, and I think I've toured overseas with Moshe about six times since. Um, and then I've toured with uh, DJ Halo from uh, Fake Four Records. He's out of Raleigh, uh, North Carolina these days. Uh, he was in Oakland at the time. And then the last time I was over there was actually in February um, of this year. I was touring, uh, doing a solo set, and then I was doing a set with uh, the French band DeFaze, which is D dash faz and they're out of uh, Lyon, and uh like just a badass bunch of dudes that are doing like this crazy like electro rock hybrid and they let me yell and rap all over it <laughs> <laughs> good good accent by the way with the french there oh thank you. i do my best man i i, I my, my mom would be ashamed she'd be like it's lion <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i mean there's a really really strong hip-hop scene in france um, there is their love for the culture just boggles my mind and what i love about a lot of the fans in france too is like you know like they might look like a rock and roll dude but they are at the rap show you know like they there there's not as uh, it's not as fashion forward it's more like nope tonight's the rap show so that's where we're at um and i think that that's really i mean that's cool because that's kind of the way i approach it you know i don't put on my hip-hop uniform to go to the hip-hop show <sighs> Um, too old for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, despite uh, heading over to France most years for my summer holiday, um, I'm, my French is basic at best. But um, oh. I, I, I still enjoy listening to French hip hop in in French. Um, yes. Because uh, I don't know something about it, like the, the syllables and, and the speed that they can rap, um, because of, I, because of that language and because of the, the structure of it. Um, it's even even if you can't understand it, it's worth listening to. No, the flow is amazing. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. Um, if, if I can, for, for you and for our listeners, if I could recommend uh, Monsieur Sai out of uh, Le Mans, he is amazing. Uh, an amazing writer. I have to, of course, hit the, you know, the translate button on his lyrics, but he has these really intense concepts. 
Um, he's put out a few records on Mill Pavement and a few records uh, on his own uh, label out of uh, Limon. Um, he's probably about, you know, he's probably about his early, early 30s. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing artist. Uh, and, and yeah, if you want to hear that, that aggressive, but also kind of amazing French flow, he's, he's got it. Um, and I can send you a link when we get off the air. But Monsieur Sai, folks, if you like French hip hop, check it out. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, I mean, there's a danger there that you're putting some someone's music out who's you know language you don't necessarily understand. They could be saying anything. I mean, how do you uh, how do you guarantee the message? I've known him for a long time. We actually did a record together uh, back in 2010, and we, it did take a lot of conversation. It did. But uh, but you know but I also I also um, I usually I, I won't plug anyone's music if I'm not a hundred percent behind their politics and their message. So if like someone even if I suspected someone of saying some bullshitty things, I wouldn't I wouldn't plug them up like that. That's good to know. But you're right, that does run a risk for sure. <laughs> but I, uh, I I I look forward to reading uh, Simon's lyrics whenever a new record comes out. I mean I think that. If you're a fan of, of hip hop in different languages, which I am, I mean, I, I also love uh, Audio 88 uh, out of Germany, who's amazing, um, who's quite, quite, quite big these days uh, out there. Um, yeah, I mean, take the time to like find a translation uh, in English or in your language so you can actually appreciate it a little bit more, you know, other than just like the sound of like a dope flow over a dope beat. Like, you know, you want to go that one step, one step further and, and try to pull out what they what they put into it. I mean, my fear would be that I wouldn't agree, as you say, with the politics or with the message. Yeah. And, uh, it might spoil it for me, but uh, that's, a, that's a negative look at things. You're, 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 yeah. right, you're right to be positive about it. Um, let's talk a little bit about Milled Pavement then. I mean, what's your involvement? You, you're, you're, you're very much involved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, if, if we had like a, a, a mafia structure... I'd say that uh, that Moshe would be the boss, I would be the underboss, and Mike Clouds would be the consigliere. Um, so you know, you know, Mill Pavement over time functions has functioned more of a uh, more of a artist collective and less of a label. So you know, what we'll do is we'll handle the uh, the distribution, the digital distribution, and and you know, limited physical distribution through our website and through some of our channels here. Um, and then, uh, you know, the artists themselves are kind of responsible for, you know, for touring on the record or for doing, you know, radio campaigns or things like that. I mean, we do have access to those tools if artists are interested, but it more it's more about, you know, amping up their signal, about giving artists that we believe in, particularly like, um, I don't want to say non-commercial, but, you know, experimental, far out kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff we're more likely to champion than like a, a boom bap record or a straight up, you know, drum and bass record or something like that. We want... We want something that's like a little harder to box in, and that's the kind of thing that we'd love to give a, a signal boost to. And I feel like when people, you know, we haven't, we're not a, a big label or, or a big collective by any means, but you know, having over sixty releases under our belt, when people see like the little Elk logo and they see Mill Pavement, they know it's going to be some weird, challenging stuff. We've trained them to know that, um, which feels like a, a big win, you know, in terms of like uh, I hate whorish words like this, but like branding, like you know what that represents. And, uh, and I feel great about that. Um, so, you know, the core, the core members now are a lot of their releases were one-offs uh, with friends. Um, a lot of those people have gone on to do amazing things in their own right, you know, including like, you know, James P. Honey of Barriers out of the UK. Uh, he's put out a couple of records with us in the past. Now he's doing mostly sort of, uh, you know, folk, tangentially folk-related music. Um, Crunkwitch, uh, which is sort of an interesting sort of a techno drum and bass pop outfit that put out a few records with us that have gone on to do big things. Um, 
Yeah, there are just a lot of one-offs. And then, you know, the core members would be Moshe, uh, myself, uh, DJ Mike Clouds, and uh, 32 French, who is a producer, and, and C-Money Burns, of course. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's the nexus of us. We all live in Portland, and we're always open to, you know, putting out projects from old homies if they approach us. Uh, and uh, and also, you know, always kind of looking for new people. Um but I feel like the you know the era of needing a crew or needing a label is kind of um, – it became the sort of passe thing in the early 2000s. Like, oh, I can just publish it to my Bandcamp or my SoundCloud. And, you know, and my answer to that is, well, like that's not really a record. You just made a demo and published it. Um, you know, so we do make sure that uh, everything is done right and professionally for our artists and that they're presented the right way. And, you know, hey, my record's done. Can it come out next week? No, it can't. <laughs> it's a lot of invisible shit that needs to happen um, I mean yeah, it's interesting you say that and this is not a question I've had the opportunity to ask any other artist before but yeah I would be that person I would be like my record's finished I, I just want, want everyone to hear it yesterday and, right and yeah I mean once you've got the finished product it's, it's, it's mixed it's mastered what you know how do you then go about what, what's the gap and, what, and what's the process between you know, finishing and distributing and, and you know, wow. publishing it. I mean, you know, in, in as brief as you want to be. Uh, uh, all right. All right. This is, this is the, this is the, uh, underground music industry expose <laughs> podcast. You heard it here first. Um, well, I, I think it's different for everyone depending on their size and their scope, but I can say that for us, you know, uh, that once the, once the music is done and the artwork is done, then things have to go out for manufacturing. You got to figure there's an eight to ten week turnaround for manufacturing of physicals, right? Um, distributors, some distributors, uh, ours is pretty quick, but some distributors want their uh, they want the material out, you know, to them completed, you know, finished songs in the finished order with all the metadata. They want that three months before the release date. Um, so. Um, and then your job as an artist is to then be, you know, booking your shows, getting your, trying to get some press, uh, you know, working, either hiring a publicist or working your press, you know, stuff like that. Uh, the, the real nuts and bolts stuff. And the whole time you need to shut the fuck up about your upcoming album until, <laughs> until we decide that we announce it on this date. So there's a lot of like behind the scenes, behind the curtain stuff that goes on and none of it's glorious and, uh, it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Um, and, uh. But I, but I, I that, that's those are really important steps if you want it to roll out correctly and you want it to make the the proper impact. I mean, you worked so long on this record, and, and oftentimes, like I'm, I'm that I'm that guy that like I'll like put your swimmies on and, and help you through this process the first time around because this is scary for a lot of folks. They don't understand why they can't talk about the album months before it comes out. They don't understand why they can't leak songs or. You know what I mean? Uh, so there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. Even though we're not, you know, Atlantic Records, we want everything to be rolled out, you know, in a, in a professional manner that uh, that'll service the record and, and give it give it the best fighting chance it has to live its uncommercial life in the commercial landscape. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are different views on, on how to. I see a lot of artists like they do, but they put out five tracks before the album's even released. And uh, I mean, I, I think I prefer the holding back method than than you know just giving it all out straight away yeah um i i i, I don't know i just like to have the whole album and, and not have heard half of it before i even you know press, press play on that 
I agree. I'm the same way. But I, but we also process. I'm assuming we're close to the same age. But uh, we also probably process albums uh, as albums, you know. And we are a very um, singles driven um, entertainment cycle for for music now. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, the the UK charts. I mean, the mainstream charts are yeah dominated by the likes of Ed Sheeran, who's, who might have six tracks in the, in the, in the charts. That never happens. Yeah, I, I mean, gee, I'm forty. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, yeah, that never happened when I was when I was a kid. Yeah, there was one one song, and you know, it might maybe two months before you hear the next song from that album. Right. Totally. And, and then you decide if you're going to buy it or not. <laughs> Right, exactly. It's a it's a longer rollout. Um, yeah. But you know, but you uh, as a, as a, as, a, as a journalist and as sort of like you know a, a cultural commentator, you know, you you must see the news cycle accelerating and the entertainment cycle accelerating. You know, we have a twenty four hour news cycle now. Um, we're basically like um, every time something happens, it's like a fart in the wind, <laughs> and, and you better have another one in two hours because that one's old already. Yeah, um, it's true. I mean. We, yeah, I can't remember who said it. It was, it was, it was a you know a big uh, A-list actor who said, you, know, you need to stop focusing on being first and start focusing on being factual." Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's not it's not going to do us any favors as a website, and it's not going to get us a, a bunch of you know, new readers. But that's what we try and do. We're yeah. not. Yeah. You know, oh, there's a new trailer out. Well, fuck it. You can wait until tomorrow. So I've had a chance to to re- watch it. Write right. a little bit about it. I don't need to get it out in thirty seconds and say here's a new trailer and have nothing to say about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's appreciated for the, for the the people that are willing to take to take that chance. Um, you know, I, I was recently completed an interview, uh, uh, a written interview with uh, Alex Masali, uh, Alex Masali out of the UK, and uh, and he's a you know he's a he's a PhD candidate. He's done some really in depth. Uh, interviews with other musicians before and our interview is probably in the 6,000 word range it's humongous it's like a book chapter and um, <clears throat> you know <clears throat> I mentioned to him I, I had the, I had the, uh, the mild trepidation I was like man this is a, a lot of writing and I don't think I don't know if the attention span uh, can be held and he was basically like well you know what like fuck lazy readers I'm not a lazy writer it's here for the people that want it and uh, and hearing that was like hearing it was like a you know a, the light dawned on me I was all of a sudden uh, the lotus exploded from my forehead and I attained enlightenment and it felt like something I would have said to myself <laughs> so so I I, I I can always I can always dig that and uh, and by pushing back against the the twenty four hour you know news or entertainment cycle or the you know put out an album every seven months on SoundCloud cycle um, you know you can potentially. Um, you know, you can't shovel shit against the tide and, and expect to win, but you can also kind of like um, help train your uh, audience to be like, no, well, when this thing happens, it's worth checking out, as opposed to just being completely inundated and, and overstimulated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just off the top of your head, do you know where people can find that uh, interview? Um, that's going to be that's going to drop um, sometime after the Thanksgiving holiday, so late November. Uh, I believe that'll be uh, at Alex's website, and I can send you the uh, the link to that when we get our. Uh, yeah, drop it in. Chances are, if people are listening to this, they're going to want to read that. So, yeah, totally good to share. Um, okay, well, I mean, Enmity nailed it. Is out now. <laughs> it is. And um, and you, 
Is it, I mean, I, by default, I often go to Bandcamp to buy my music because um, <laughs> because I know that, that the vast majority of the, of the revenue goes to the artist through through right. Bandcamp. Yeah. Um, it is available any number of different ways, uh, and people can find out uh, more about that at milledpavement.com. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Just for anyone that noticed the same as me, on Bandcamp, the digital download is $777. Um, <laughs> Correct. Just just briefly, you know, what's the deal there? Well, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Will, because I've had several other people, um, you know, kind of comments on it, you know, both fans and supporters. Um, um, there is a lot of text there, but there is a link uh, in on the Bandcamp for you to get if you want digital only, and that link will take you to uh, – it's a hyperlink that will link you to uh, Amazon, iTunes, and a number of other vendors. Um, the fact of the matter is um, with my particular distribution deal, um, I can't sell digital files for an al- official album direct to fans unless it's an associated with a product. So if they buy a CD, I can send them a download. If they buy a T-shirt, I uh, include a download with that. But I can't sell the digital only direct to fans, um, and that's just a clause in our in our contract. So if they want the digital only, they're going to have to hit up uh, iTunes or, or Amazon, unfortunately. But if you want physical product, I got you, dog. <laughs> Sounds um, like a ten dollar stick is a worthy purchase. I don't know if that's something you well, might consider. <laughs> I feel like it's sort of on that uh, it's on that on that level, but I mean, if you're going to spend you know ten or fifteen bucks on anything, it'll it's you know it's it's quality swag. I'm not going to charge you know the twenty dollar um, sticker to, <laughs> <laughs> to get a, get around that loophole. Fair um, enough, fair enough. And I wanted to make it high enough so you know folks like you that would see it would be like, well, that's clearly ridiculous, and there has to be. <laughs> behind this he's not just hoping some sucker pays 700 bucks for the record to be honest i just thought your seven kids stuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i mean i I've, I've seen um i've seen people selling these sort of weird vanity projects for like 50 bucks for a digital album and that just seems like i don't know egregious and and, and, and greasy to me um but so i wanted to make it high enough that it was ridiculous and if you do read the fine print there's of course the hyperlink there to take you to uh take you out of Bandcamp. And uh, into the realm of selling digital files, uh, Bandcamp is, of course, you know, for me, is more of a repository for people that want a physical product. Absolutely. So uh, hit up Bandcamp. It's uh, brzowskimusic.bandcamp.com. Um, or, you know, like you say, uh, uh, you can get it any number of different ways. Uh, uh, yeah, or iTunes or Amazon or however. Um, cool. So uh, the album's 12 tracks long. Um, it's definitely worth a listen. Uh, it's... Uh, it's it's not it's not a poppy album um, in the most part, but it is very interesting. There are a lot a lot of influences coming through from other areas. If you're a fan of music as a as a thing rather than a specific genre, I think anyone's going to get a lot out of that. And um, I, I really enjoyed it. So thanks thanks for sending that over. I'm sorry it took me so long to get the review out, but uh, yeah. no, there's a million things. No worries, Thank you so much for having. Thanks so much for having. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, if we're going to play out on one track, what track is it going to be? I'd love to to go out with the track uh, Contemporary Cynic off Enmityville. Um, there will be a video treatment for this coming soon, directed by Jake Ripley, uh, and that should be out uh, this December. And if, I'd, uh, if I may, I'd like to shout out, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Brzezowski Music, Instagram at Brzezowski Music, Facebook.com uh, slash Brzezowski Music.
my generation ruined by who gives a fuck the greatest prospect od and nod in front of the mickey mouse club i've seen the losses double conspiracies emerge from tv rubble an office humdrum blown to bits by a better beat film not subtle i heard your best friends will turn heel walk proceed to talk shit i've heard everyone you love you will one day have to forfeit the gods must be crazy newsflash the gods don't exist I'll mockery the spectacle, the highest volume, no exits. I know the world won't end, a few of the smaller hearts break. I know the girls won't swoon if you got yourself a quicker heartbeat. And the tears won't mend, even if you painted in a crawl space. And I'm glad you had some kids, the world needs some more wage slaves. I don't care. Here's where the feeling is supposed to happen. I don't care. Here's where I get inspired to write a chorus. I don't care. Here's where I put my bed in tomorrow. What you say? Something cliched right now. I don't care. Here's where the cheap sentiment fits in. I don't care. Here's where to put the perfect product placement. I don't care. Here's where I make a sweeping dramatic blanket statement. Something shallow right now. You can't hunt for Bigfoot sales without a certain skill set. And an irrational belief in belief is palimpsest. I've seen the pure of heart fail for some self-righteous causes. I've seen some saints and widows faint from the sound of glowing plastic. Huh. Speculated on odds when the sideshow was rigged. And the carny barkers every line as I helped to pen the script. I knew the giant was too tall to pick a fight with Cyclops industry. I knew my fists were a touch too small to terrorize with impunity. I've seen the sun beat the breath from a shiny cicada's wings And an ingrate son rebuke his dad for less than sorcery Those youthful grievances will never make it to my tonightest ears I've heard the worst and sip trash passed off as atmosphere I don't care. Here's where the feeling is supposed to happen I don't care. Here's where I get inspired to write a chorus I don't care. Here's where I put my bed in tomorrow Something cliched right now. I don't care. Here's where the cheap sentiment fits in. I don't care. Here's where to put the perfect product placement. I don't care. Here's where I make a sweeping dramatic blanket statement. Something shallow right now. Open up and swallow what dreams may come whole I've felt the breeze of change Milk the soil and choke out the old I've felt the dumb stares of detractors Cursing failure on my brethren I've felt the throes of rejection Picking shattered glass from connections I know the stars are numbered And half of the lot may have gone out I know the days are numbered And half of mine may have been ill spent The hollow will prosper And suck the marrow from the dreamers my life's work will live on forever, a landfill of corrupted files. Here's where the feeling is supposed to happen. Here's where I get inspired to write a chorus. Here's where I put my bed in tomorrow. Something cliched right now. Here's where the cheap sentiment fits in. Here's where to put the perfect product placement. Here's where I make a sweeping dramatic blanket statement Something shallow right now TheUnheardNerd.com